so many of us love coffee, like the living for it type of love. Some like it hot, some like it iced with a splash of creamer, and some like it with a cold foam topping. Many of us stop into coffee shops on our way to work more often than we'd like to admit. But now, thanks to International Delight Cold Foam Creamer, you can make cold foam coffee at home, or in my team's case, in the office, and it's a game changer. I was just chatting with a teammate of mine about our love for the occasional sweet treat coffee. Sometimes it's just the thing you need as a pick-me-up on a busy day. And we just stocked our office fridge with International Delight Cold Foam Creamer, and it never misses. The team's favorite flavor so far is the Caramel Macchiato. You just shake the canister and spray it into your coffee, and voila, you've got an incredible cold foam coffee, no frothing, fancy machines, or mess required. International Delight Cold Foam Creamer foams and creams your coffee from top to bottom. The best part? It works on both hot and iced coffee. It comes in three foaming, delicious flavors, French vanilla, sweet and creamy, and caramel macchiato. So you can switch things up depending on your mood. Look for your favorite flavor next time you're at your grocery store and be prepared to say goodbye to your barista. International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. It's foaming delicious. This is episode number 1173 with Dr. Phil McGraw on the secret to successful relationships. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome back, everyone. My guest today is Dr. Phil McGraw. He is one of the most well-known and trusted mental health professionals in the world, best-selling author of nine books and the host of TV's number one daytime talk show, Dr. Phil. He focuses on presenting compelling stories about real people with a variety of emotional and behavioral problems, stripping away the shame and embarrassment that too often keeps people from seeking help. He continues to value his academic training and professional qualifications and insists that the information provided on his show is based on evidence-based treatment options and state-of-the-art research in the fields of psychology, psychiatry, and medicine. Our conversation was so powerful that I had to split it up into two parts, and you can listen to part one by going to lewishouse.com slash 1172. But in this episode, we dive deep into relationships, and Dr. Phil shares his three pieces of advice for a happy and successful marriage, why you need to heal yourself before getting into a new relationship, the non-negotiables in Dr. Phil's everyday marriage routine, the power and importance of making eye contact with your partner on a daily basis, and he shares a cool strategy here, and so much more. I thought this was so meaningful and helpful for anyone looking to get into a strong value-based relationship, for anyone looking to stay in a long-term healthy relationship with their partner. This has got some incredible wisdom. So if you're inspired in any moment, make sure to share this on social media or text a few friends of yours who are trying to get in a relationship or who are in relationships already that want to learn more skills and tools to help them improve the quality of their relationships. Then make sure to text a few people, post it on social media, and tag myself and Dr. Phil as well. And if this is your first time here or someone sent you here via a friend of yours, then make sure to click the subscribe button right now over on Apple Podcast or Spotify and leave us a review and tell us the part you enjoyed the most about this interview with Dr. Phil. Okay, in just a moment, the one and only Dr. Phil. I'd love to ask you some questions about relationships because you have a lot of wisdom around this. 
my audience loves to hear about how to find the right partner, how to improve the quality of the relationship they have already intimately. And you've been with Robin for how, how long have you been with her? Almost 40? Is it 40? We just had our 45th anniversary 45. on August 14th. Wow, 45 year anniversary. How long have you been with her? About 50 years. 50 years? Yeah, just 48, 49, somewhere in there, but almost 50 years. We've been married 45. So when did you, and you were married before, correct? Very short time. Yeah. I'm a high school sweetheart for a okay. very short time. And we, uh, we had the good sense before we had kids or anything to uh-huh. say, we weren't ready to do right. this. So we were just married for a, I mean, sure. literally a few months. What, was, uh, what would you say the biggest lessons around that relationship that helped you now and over the last 50 years with the right relationship? Well, you know, I was, you mean the first one? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we were high school kids. Right, right, right. I, I was proud of both of us for having the good sense before we had children right. to look at each other and say, we did this because it was the next thing to do. Right. And neither one of us were ready to do it. And, you know, without any animosity, we said, we're not ready to do this. Right. That's and, hard to do without animosity. And there, there really wasn't any. Yeah. And she was a delightful, mm. an absolutely delightful woman. Wow. I mean, girl at the time. But, right, right. Uh, uh, just really a delightful girl, and uh, I, I was proud that we had the good sense to say let's let's take a step back from yeah. this and give ourselves a chance to get into our lives right, and college good. and and all of that. You got and, married before college or in college or yes, in wow, college. That's tough. But sort of, we were barely into college. Right. It was right after. Yeah. I mean, we don't even really know who we are no. until how old do you think that we kind of form our real identity. You know, it's. It, I think until you've been out and seen some of the world and had jobs mm-hmm. and changed locations and gotten away from home and family and been on your own, where you've really found out who you are and, mm-hmm. and what you're about, it's hard to know who you are entering into a relationship. Yeah. And that takes some time. And, you know, when Robin and I got uh, married, uh, it was in 1976. Wow. And I had finished my bachelor's degree and master's degree. And I had, you know, been out and been in business and lived on my own and completed two degrees in college. And at that point, I felt like I knew you know, a little bit about life and knew who I was coming into a relationship. Right. She always knew who she was. <laughs> she was so much mature, yeah. mature than, than I was going into it. It was uh, astounding. And, you know, 45 years later, uh, we, we get along great. That's crazy. Yeah. It, in this town, it's really crazy. It's really crazy. <laughs> When did you know that she was going to be your, your partner, your wife, your, you know, the person in your life? You know, I was not at all looking mm-hmm. to get into a relationship when I met her. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually just visiting my parents, and she was a friend of my little sister's, and she came, um, uh, I'd had the flu and was kind of stopped over there to kind of recuperate, and she came walking through the room. I didn't even know she was in the house. 
And she came walking through the room. She was there visiting my little sister. Uh, whoa. <laughs> um, How old are you at this time? Uh, I was 23. Okay. And uh, 22, 23. And uh, she was 19. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and I very charmingly said, who are you? <laughs> and she said, well, who are you? Uh, and we were there alone and visited mm-hmm. for a couple of hours and went out the next night. And, man, there was something about her from the very beginning. Wow. It just, there was something different about her. From the minute I met her, she was, you know, spunky and smart and, and uh, obviously very easy on the eyes. And But her personality just mm. sparkled like, Crazy and still does today. I can't, I can't spend enough time with her. Wow! Yeah, after forty-five years, isn't That's that crazy? Amazing. Yeah. What is the thing you love about your wife the most? Her, her, her personality. She has. It's kind of like when we decided. I always had a rule in the family that if we were going to make a big change, it took four yeses and one no. So I had two boys, and then Rob and I, so we're going to make a big change. It took four yeses and one no, even though Jordan at the time was like 10, 12, whatever. If we were going to make a change, if anybody said, no, don't want to do it, uh, we'd not do it. So I, I remember when I came home and we talked about coming to L.A. and launching Dr. Phil, um, I'm telling Robin, I said, you know what? talked to Oprah today and she says, you know, it's really time to launch your own show. You, we're getting an awful lot of mail. Come on. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's really time. So I hope telling her that while I'm telling her, she's like getting boxes and packing. Shit. It's like, she's got the spirit of adventure. It's like, uh, whatever. She's we, already packing. Yeah. We had a great life and we have a beautiful home on the golf course uh-huh. at Las Colinas in Dallas at the Four Seasons. Wonderful life. Couldn't be better. Kids are ensconced in school. Everything's going great. She's like, oh, really? She's packing, packing. stuff while we're talking. Really? It's like, whatever, man. She's just like the spirit of adventure always. And, um, uh, I, I, I love that about her. And, uh, she is fiercely loyal. Mm. Uh, you don't want to criticize her husband or kids. <laughs> she uh, would not be fun to be around. She's five two and one hundred and eight, <laughs> but you do not want to. You don't want to pick a fight. Wow, <laughs> with her about husband and kids. She's a. Uh, she's ferocious, and I love that about her. Wow. Uh, and she's she's a lot of fun. She got a great sense of humor, and um, you know, she's a small town girl from Duncan, Oklahoma. Wow! You ever been to Duncan, Oklahoma? Never. Yeah. Well, it ain't there, and it ain't headed that away. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a middle. You go another ten miles and fall off the yeah, earth. Yeah, yeah. It's in the middle of nowhere. And she grew up poor like I did. Uh-huh. Her dad had a driving range, and her uh-huh. job was to. They didn't have a ball picker upper. She was the ball picker up. She, wow. she had to go out with a bucket and pick up the balls. They didn't have the cart with the, the no, fence. No, no, that was her. She, <laughs> she was just picking it up like dodging yeah. balls. Caitlin would wear a football helmet if they were still hitting. Wow. But that was her. So she's uh, Spirit pretty, of adventure. I love pretty that. Pretty scrappy. What, um, I, I think I saw her in, an, in a video somewhere with you a few years ago say that she's never missed an episode of Dr. Phil's show. This yeah. was a few, I don't know if this is still the case, 20 still years case. twenty years in. Yeah. 
3,500 episodes almost? Yeah, we'll, we'll hit 3,500 this season. And she's never missed one. Never missed one. And, oh, my goodness. And, you know, she's not just the proverbial audience member. She is one of the foremost ambassadors in the fight against domestic violence in mm. America. She's become our representative in that. Wow. And uh, she's testified before Congress on those matters. She's... Uh, developed an app for escaping those situations wow. that's been honored at the United Nations and on Capitol Hill. I mean, she is very, very uh, prolific in that arena, has a foundation in that regard. She's very, very active in that. Wow. She's a go-getter. That's amazing. Yeah. What would you, I'm curious, your three pieces of advice for having a happy, healthy, long marriage there's a lot of people that stay together for a long time, but they're not happy and it's not healthy. And I feel like they still say, well, we've been together for 30 years, but the kids know that they should have got divorced a long time ago. Yeah. So what would you say are your three pieces of advice for a happy, healthy, long-term marriage that makes you say, I, I can't spend enough time with her? And then what would you say is Robin's three pieces of advice? Is it the same or is it different? Well, I can speculate about hers, but <laughs> yeah. I think one that we share um, I, I know because we've talked about it, and that is you, you, you deal with the issues when they come up. Don't, and wait. Don't wait for them. Yeah. yeah, people, you know, we, people ask us, you know, do we have, you know, you know, big fights and blow-ups and stuff like that? And the answer is we don't because we deal with stuff before it gets big. It doesn't mm. mean we don't have disagreements because we certainly do. Um, and, uh, but we don't let things build up across time. We, mm -hmm. we don't procrastinate emotionally. We deal with it when it comes up. And, um, I think if you, if you don't ever allow for unfinished emotional business, then you always keep the the slate clean. Mm. Don't ever let there be unfinished emotional business because then it builds up and then one thing stacks on top of another and then on another and then on another and resentment really builds out of that. And sure. We we made a deal early on that we weren't going to do that. So you guys have probably never really resented each other because you've always dealt with the emo the challenging stuff when it yeah. comes. And, you know, maybe in the moment, you know, I might have said something or that she resented me saying or what, but we dealt with it right then and then yes. it was over with. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's critically important. Wow, okay. And, um, if I, I think if people would really commit to doing that, I, I think it would make a, a huge, huge difference. What's a way to approach that? By starting the conversation, if someone, if the other partner is always triggered by the emotional stress, or maybe there's some trauma they haven't healed yet or dealt with, where they resist it or they just try to lie, like how do you how do you yeah. approach that conversation? Well, I think the thing to do is you have to talk about that outside of crisis. You don't ah. talk about it when something has gone off in the ditch. You never talk to a drunk about their drinking while they're drunk. <laughs> they you talk walk. about it while yeah. they're sober. Yeah. You don't talk about 
issues and, and resentment while you're angry with each other. Talk about it while things are calm. And most people think, no, 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 let sleeping dogs lie. I don't want to bring up an issue mm. when there isn't one. No, that's when you need to talk about it. That's when you need to say, look, while we're getting along, <laughs> let's make an agreement that if I do something that really gets on your nerves, you will tell me and I promise to you that I will hear you out. Mm. And that's the time to talk about it. Don't try to solve problems during crisis. Yes. Make your plan outside of crisis. And I, I think that's really important. And I think, secondly, we have agreed mm -hmm. that our objective when we disagree is not to get the other person to agree with us, but to be heard. Mm. Like, in fact, you don't even need to respond. I'm going to tell you how I feel. And you tell me how you feel, and then we'll just walk away and let that sit with the other person. And you know what? If you really love each other and you really want to make the other person happy, most of the time you will find a way to get the other person most of what they want. Mm. But if your goal is I'm gonna you're gonna agree with me, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna make my point and you're gonna agree with me, then you're making it a win-lose situation. And Think mm -hmm. about that. Think about when you were in high school and you were playing uh, the Lancers. What were the signs in the hallway? Crush the Lancers. Uh -huh. You know, smash the Lancers. Yes, yes. Do you really want a win-lose situation with your partner? No. Crush my wife. Smash my wife. You don't want a win-lose situation. What I want to, let me tell you how I feel. And I, I just want to be heard. I'll hear what you say. And I'll, I'll let you be heard. And then let's drop it at that. And, and then we, we can come mm -hmm. together and talk about it another time. If that's your objective to be heard, it, it will work itself out. Mm -hmm. And I, that has really worked for us. We don't put it on a win-lose situation. Right. Because if it's a win-lose, one of us is going to be the loser. And I don't want to be the loser. And I don't want to be married to a loser. Right. You don't always be winning and then your partner losing every yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Because if she's wow. a loser, that's where resentment comes from. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's number two, right? Yeah. That, that's number two. And okay. I, I think if people will, and that's a hard thing to do. Yes. That's really a hard thing to do because we want to win. We want to make our point. And we <laughs> we want to be right. Yeah. We we do get to be right fighters and, and we, we want to right. We want to be right. And mm. the other thing is... I think we really have to resolve that if somebody has to stop being all of who they are Ooh. to be half of a couple, Ooh. the price is too high. Oh my gosh, that's the greatest thing you said. Because so many people are inauthentic in their relationships. This doesn't work. If I got to stop being who I am to be half of the McGraws, oh. It isn't going to work. And if she's got to stop being who she is to be half of the McGraw couple, it's not going to work. I, and I've, I've told her before, because she said, I wish she would be more sensitive. And I'm like, <laughs> like nah, you really don't. Wow. <laughs> you, you really don't. Wow. You think you do, <laughs> but you really don't. Because you know what? You didn't marry 
a cheerleader. You married the middle linebacker. Right, right, right. And not that there's anything wrong with a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. I, and, I, and I mean that. I'm not, I'm not saying that to be politically correct. There's nothing wrong with a guy that is more effeminate or more emotionally sensitive uh, at mm-hmm. all. There's not. But that's not what attracted you to me. Right. And if I became that, that's not who you married. And had I been that, and then I became more of a, of a gorilla, that wouldn't be who you married. You married me. And there's a reason you did. You felt mm-hmm. safe with me, mm-hmm. or there was something about me that, that you were attracted to. Don't try to change it now. Mm-hmm. And there have been times where things went off the rails somewhere, and I stood in the gap, and she was like, yeah, I'm sure glad you are who you are. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. there have been times where we've been in situations where I, I needed to step up and be who I was, and she was like, man, I'm glad I married you. <laughs> I'm glad you're the linebacker. Yeah, exactly. And... I'm like, yeah, okay. But that doesn't mean that you can't evolve across time. Yes. And I, I think I've I've learned to be more less cerebral and more emotional across time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you, you can't ask somebody to stop being all of who they are to be half of the couple. And what happens if your partner starts asking you to change? You know what feels good? Winning. And not just in sports. Like when your coffee's still warm once you reach your job site. Or when you finish a project days before the deadline and coming in under budget. That's claiming victory. You can even claim victory on your taxes by losing your current tax preparer and switching to H&R Block. And once you do, you'll start to feel like a tax champion. Because at Block, you'll have many ways to get your taxes done. You can walk in, make an appointment, or drop off your documents at a time that's convenient for you. You'll get 100 percent accuracy on your max refund or your money back. Plus, with their upfront transparent pricing, you'll know the price of your tax prep before you even get started. So make room on that trophy shelf and prepare to tax like a champion this tax season at H&R Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. Disclaimer, all tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com guarantees. My career not only requires me to travel, but also gives me the freedom to. Traveling has brought me so many positive experiences and memories. Like that time I spent the holidays at an Airbnb in Big Bear with some of my extended family, and it was the perfect way to come together and connect with my family that I don't see that often. If you have a similar setup that allows you to travel often, have you ever thought about your empty home while you're gone? More specifically, how you can make some extra money by keeping your home occupied while you're out of town. I'm a big advocate for setting up a side hustle to give you an extra stream of income and Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start. Many people host on Airbnb, including some friends of mine, but there are some people out there who've never even realized their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you've got yourself an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host. Isn't it obnoxious when companies have those sneaky gotchas? 
hiding deep in the fine print were bills that seemed to go up for no dang reason. Like when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying even more than you would have elsewhere. At Metro by T-Mobile, there's nada yada yada. That means no contracts, no price hikes, no surprises. They don't even want me to speed through the legal, so here it is. When they say no price hikes when you join, they mean your price will never increase for talk, text, and smartphone data plans. Their only exclusions are for limited time promos, per-use charges, and third-party services. I guess that really is nada yada yada. At Metro by T-Mobile. Nada yada yada. Well, you know... If, As opposed if, to accepting kind of where you're at. You know, like, I have a range. Yes. Okay. There are, there's a range where, you know, I, I'm over here in full Cro-Magnon mode. <laughs> and there's a range down here where, you know, I can hold a baby. And right. I remember Jay had to have surgery when he was four weeks old. And I was on staff at that hospital. And mm. so they allowed me to carry him into the operation room. Wow. And, you know, she'll never forget that image of seeing me walk down the hallway oh. with his little head right here and he was kind of crying and I was carrying him in there and she said that was probably the most tender scene she's ever seen in her life. You know, that was at this end down here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you have a range in there um, and so, yeah, you can move within that range. That's okay. But that is who I am. Mm -hmm. uh, you can move within that range but you don't ask somebody to be somebody they're not. Right. She'll ask me sometimes something like really great will happen. And she'll say, come on, give me something. Give me a happy dance. Give me something. Well, <laughs> I'm not the kind of person that jumps up and down and goes, hey. <laughs> but inside, I, I might be going, yes, this is really great. And it's a great sense of satisfaction to me. But I don't jump up and down and run around in circles. And you know, she'll jokingly say, "Come on, give me something." Uh, and I'll say, "I'm very happy about this." She'll say, "Okay, that's good for you." Yeah, um, she's dancing around yeah, and exactly. jumping on couches. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and you know, my highs don't go real high, my lows don't go real low, and you're maybe like, that's boring. You're like something. Tom Brady. You know, you're it, just like it, you're consistent. Yeah. I'm, that's all I have in common with Tom Brady. <laughs> but you know, I'm not real. I'm. I'm more cerebral than emotional, yeah. but inside I've, you know, I experience. I'm very happy about it, but yeah. I don't, I don't run around with my hair on fire. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is good. So I don't have much. Of that. <laughs> and what would you say are the uh, uh, the three things that that Robin would say are the keys to a happy, healthy, long long term, thriving marriage or partnership? Yeah, I, I think she would say. First off, spending quality time together. Mm -hmm. I, I think she really values that quality, quality time, and I think she thinks there's just no substitute for that. And and by quality time, I mean intimacy, mm. where intimacy being defined as sharing things that you would not share with anybody else on the world mm -hmm. in this world. Mm. Can you give an example of? You know, there are times that she and I spend together just maybe out on the patio, relaxed and mm -hmm. talking where, you know, I have, 
you know, my guard down, she has hers down where we're just completely relaxed. We're not on, we're mm -hmm. not in any way. It's not business mode, it's not TV film, it's not this. We're it's, not yeah. censoring anything. We're just completely relaxed and 100% candid with each other, talking about, you know, life or family or dreams or whatever, things that we just wouldn't share with anybody else. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's really important to her that there are things that we would say to each other that we wouldn't say to anybody else because we don't feel safe enough to say it to anybody else. Wow. And to me, that's intimacy when you, you, you say and do things with that person that you wouldn't say or do with any other person in the world. Not your best friend, not mm. your sister, not your brother, but it's just reserved for that. It has nothing to do with, with romance or sexuality or anything. It has to do with just trust and, and that uniqueness of that one relationship where it would not happen with another person in the world. Right. And I think she really values that. I know yeah. that because she said so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, and um, yeah, I think. I, and so when I say quality time, that's intimacy time. Yeah, that's yeah. what that means. Okay. And what do you think would be here number two? Having each other's back no matter what, even if the person's wrong. It, even if the person's wrong, and that doesn't mean that privately you might not say, you know, we might modify this situation, but um, publicly mm -hmm. or otherwise that there's never a doubt where you stand. Mm. Um, what happens if you don't, even for a slight little moment, don't have that person's back in a public or friend setting, let's say? I don't know. You never experienced it. <laughs> I'm not going to find out. Right, right. I just, I just, I, and I've never experienced that with wow. with Robin because that's why I told you a minute ago. You, you don't want to pick a fight with her by <laughs> getting sideways with her husband or children. Wow. Uh, because that's to her. There's family and everybody else. Hmm. And um, that's that's really core with her. And if you've been if you've been raised by an alcoholic, mm -hmm. then you understand what I'm talking about. Because when you've been raised by an alcoholic, you you learn that you can't depend on the leader of the family to be there. Right. And when you become the leader of the family, you say, that will never happen in my family. Not one minute of one hour of one day will any member of my family ever doubt where I stand. Wow. And that is core to her soul. That's beautiful. That is core to her soul. That will never happen. That is beautiful. Uh, she's been where they've banged on her door at three in the morning with a bunch of drunk men out there saying her father lost their furniture in a poker game. And they pulled up in a truck and wanted their furniture. And she's seen her mother stand on the porch saying, you're not taking our furniture. Wow. Even if he was wrong, it is she's like, not, yeah. You're not taking our furniture. Her oh. mother stood in the gap and said, you're not taking our furniture. She, you're not taking my daughter's bed. Wow. And, you know, she said she knows what it is to stand by your family, and 
that's that's critical to her. That's that's core to her. Seems like an amazing woman. Yeah, she is. That's why I said you don't want to get on the wrong, <laughs> you don't get on the wrong side of her. And hey, what would you say the, the third thing is if, that she would say, you think? I, I think she would say that you absolutely recognize that children, I'll put it this way, when you start being parents, you don't stop being Wives, husbands, and lovers. Mm-hmm. Just because you start being parents, you don't stop being husbands and wives. And she has been so great about that over the years. The children joined our lives. We didn't join theirs. Wow. What is the mistake most people make when they have kids? Well, they really stop uh, focusing on their role mm. as husband or wife, and they start being totally focused on the kids and they they stop carving out time for each other. Now, there are going to be times when you do, like Mm -hmm. when the children are really young and you're up all night and you're breastfeeding or changing diapers or, you know, dad's getting up every other minute or mom's up every minute and you're surviving those times. I'm talking about across the years. You, You recognize that those kids come and then they go. Mm -hmm. And when they go, it's the two of you there. And if you haven't known each other for the last 18 years, when they leave, you're going to be sitting there looking at somebody you used to know. And you don't want that to happen. If you were really great lovers and intimate and, and best friends 18 years ago, and you haven't been for the last 18 years, and then they mm. go off to college, you're sitting there looking at somebody like, didn't I used to know you? Wow. And she, I think she would say, you just don't ever make that mistake. Don't ever let that gap come in there. Now, in short term, of course, right. you, you sacrifice for your children whatever it takes for them to flourish and be nurtured and do what you take. But across time, across the years, you remember to nurture that relationship between right. the husband and wife. You remember that they're going to leave someday and it's going to be the two of you. Take care of that relationship so when they leave, you're not sitting there with a stranger. Some wisdom right there. That's some wisdom right there. She's talked about that before. That's how I know she would say that. (laughs) Right. I'm curious. It seems like in this time, it seems like this, maybe because I'm in L.A., I see more of it like this, that it's really hard to find a quality partner uh, that's a great match for you. In general, in, in the U.S., I'm speaking, it's hard for people to find a great partner and stay in a healthy relationship. I've heard people say that, you know, 80% of being in a great relationship is picking the right person, is choosing the right person. I'm not sure if you would agree with that. But why do you think it's so hard for people to choose the right partner when we're always choosing something from a pain or from a need or a lack as opposed to a healthy, conscious, whole place? Well, I, I think it is, you, you got to know what you're looking for. And mm. I, I think, you know, so many people, there's a difference between Mr. Right and Mr. Right now, you know, Mrs. Uh. Right and Mrs. Right now. It's, what is it you're, what is it you're looking for? And I, I think we have to know ourselves mm. to know what we 
you know, what we really need. And, you know, sometimes if, if we don't really know what's driving us, you know, it may be insecurity and, and we bring out the worst in each other. I see people all the time on stage where you've got somebody that's really dependent with somebody that's really over controlling and they bring out the worst in each other and they think it's a perfect fit. Oh, mm. we just fit like hand in glove because she was very passive and he was very dominant. And so it just seemed like, wow, what a perfect match. It wasn't a perfect match at all. Mm. It was pathological from the get go. You know, she needed to get a backbone and the last thing she needed was somebody dominant mm-hmm. that played into her passivity is the worst thing they could do. You got to know what is it that's attracting me to this person? Is it a pathological need to be controlled or is it that I really admire this person? You got to really ask yourself, what is it that's attracting me to this person? Mm -hmm. Is it somebody that makes me feel safe in the moment, but it's not really what I need? You got to ask yourself what's driving you in the moment. And a lot of people don't ask that question. They really need to ask that question. I mean, how do they, if someone has dealt with a lot of, I guess, trauma from their past, is it possible for them to choose a healthy relationship until they heal or start to at least work on that healing process? Or are they always going to kind of fall into that trap? Well, I think you're going to do one of two things. When you enter a relationship, you're either going to contribute to or contaminate that relationship based on what you bring with you when you show up. Right. If you bring a wounded soul, if you bring open wounds, if you bring resentments, if you bring a lot of unfinished emotional business from being cheated on Mm. or hurt or abandoned or neglected, and you bring all that pain to the relationship, you're going to contaminate that relationship. Or if you've healed all of those things, where you come to a relationship saying, I want but don't need a partner, Mm. now you're going to contribute to the relationship. So I think if you are really hurt, you got to heal that hurt before you can go into a relationship and not contaminate it. It's like baggage. You're going to pick it baggage up and carry it with you and set it down in the relationship, or you're going to empty it out before you go. And I think that's why I think everybody... Everybody should do an autopsy Mm. on the relationships they've been in before they go to the relationship they're headed towards. What should they be asking themselves about previous relationships? What did I do? Mm. What did I do to contribute to the demise of that relationship? Not blaming them, 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 but... Yeah, they're gone. Right. (laughs) <laughs> they, they ain't bringing them unless it's a really weird relationship. Mm-hmm. What did I do to contribute to the demise of this relationship? Was I too passive? Was I too domineering? Was I too suspicious? Was I too naive? Was I? What did I do? Even if you were cheated on, even if you were abused, even if you were just completely run over in the relationship, what did you do? Mm-hmm to contribute to that so you don't do it again. Right. And if you can own whatever role you had in that so you can adjust that and not do it again, then you've got a chance of not repeating those mistakes in this new relationship. 
You can't do that unless you do an autopsy on the one you've been in. Sound advice right there. What about questions you should ask someone before you're going to get committed to them, whether that be in a marriage or just an exclusively committed you know, dating relationship, to know that you're setting yourself up for potentially a good relationship? Well, you got to know what your deal breakers are. Mm, yeah. There are deal breakers, right? Right. And... You know, you're not going to find a perfect candidate. Right. Uh, you know, if you if you find an 80% candidate and the 20% that's not there aren't deal breakers, you can grow the 20% faster than you can find it. Right, <laughs> right, right. Because <laughs> you can say, well, I'm going to wait until I find 100%. Well, no, you're better off to take the 80 and grow the 20 or 10 of the 20 or whatever it might be as long as they aren't deal breakers. And there aren't many deal breakers. Deal breakers are like physical abuse, mm-hmm. drug or alcohol abuse, and they won't get treatment for it. They won't. Have, mm-hmm. You know, there are those things that if if they have some of those things that are just non-negotiable, that if you were in the relationship and those things occurred, you would leave. Mm-hmm. Then don't get in to start with. Right. If there's somebody that's going to hit you. Don't get in. Because right. if you were in it and they did, you would leave. Right. So that's a deal breaker. Don't mm-hmm. get in. But you've you got to decide, you know, what are your deal breakers? If, if you are on this earth, Robin believed she was put on this earth to be a mother. Mm. If I was absolutely 100% committed in this life to not have children— that's that a deal would breaker. be a deal breaker. Yeah, right. She should know that up front. That that wasn't the case, but it, had it been, she would want to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, if if her her father was a bad alcoholic like mine, and she said up front, I I will never marry a man that drinks. Mm. And as it turned out, uh, I was committed to not being a drinker because of what my dad had demonstrated to me. And, you know, we were kind of faced in that regard because mm-hmm. should you drink? Actually, I don't. I'm sorry. Because I thought she wanted to go out drinking. <laughs> I, right. yeah, I was just telling her the truth. I'm not your guy. If you want to right. go clubbing, I ain't your guy. Yeah. Uh, I thought I was giving her the wrong answer. <laughs> and she said, no, oh, okay. Uh-huh. I, little did I know that was the right answer. <laughs> yeah. um, but there, you got to know what your deal breakers are. And, you know, aside from that, you, you got to see if there's compatibility, if it mm-hmm. feels right. There's got to be chemistry. Right. There's got to be chemistry. If there's not chemistry, you can't, you can't grow chemistry. That's there. That's it's either there or it's not. I don't yeah. care. I don't care if he's the most handsome guy in the world or she's the most gorgeous girl in the world. If there's not chemistry, that won't grow. Mm-hmm. You'll, tough. Yeah. you'll know that right up front. Right. And that's the way it is for some, you know, some people, you know, you look like James Bond and for some girl it's like, eh, it wasn't me. They don't care. Yeah. What would you say is a non-negotiable for you both in your marriage on a daily basis? Whether it's we get up and say we love each other in the morning or we give each other a hug every day or a kiss or is there like a non-negotiable we talk about what we're grateful for every night? Is there something you guys do that is automatic to support the growth and the quality of the relationship. Something small or big. We go on a trip every, you know, I don't know. <clears throat> well, 
I could say it on both sides. Yeah. In, and I, this comes to my mind because I talked about it with a couple today. Mm-hmm. In almost 50 years of being with Robin, um, I, I, I've never called her a name or cussed at her, nor has she ever at me. Really? That Not ever, never, ever. That's inspiring. Let me tell you. Uh, there are some women, and I'm talking about Robin like she's wow. scary, and she's not. <laughs> <laughs> she seems like a sweetheart. I'm like, yeah. Uh, I mean, she is. I mean, yeah, she's, she's on my phone. She's always I mean, smiling she, when I see her in videos of yeah, her. I mean, yeah. She's just a, you know, absolute doll. Um, and you, know, you, you can you, you can see looking at her. That's not a yeah. post picture. It's just yeah, yeah. her in the back of a helicopter. But yeah. <laughs> um, there are some women you just look at and you say. Would you ever call her a name? No. There's some women just don't. You just look at it. No, no. It's like wow. you just wouldn't ever do that. And nor would she be. She's never one time. It's something we just don't do. Wow. Fifty years and never called each other a name. Not one time. That's incredible. Really? I mean, that's, I mean, I don't know many relationships where they're not when they're in an argument saying, "Well, you, you're this and this." And oh I, no. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of just you. For instance, the song you stream over and over again while you're in your 13th hour of gaming at 4 a.m. in the morning with all the lights off trying not to wake up your roommates, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are the best to listen to on your way to the gym and back, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic bowl cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you, makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you and the ability to choose the plan that you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies is what the State Farm Personal Price Plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. No, no, it's that's, not even been close. That's beautiful. <laughs> no, that's I, inspiring. Well, maybe, but it's just never even been. Wow, that's beautiful. I've never even bit my tongue. To, I just, it never even occurred to me to call her a name. That's amazing. Um, then maybe it's because I grew up in a very violent household. Right, right. I had three sisters, and uh, mm-hmm. they were in violent marriages, and mm. my parents were in a violent marriage, and it was yeah. just something you, I just would never do. That's just not. Yeah. And that's that's just something that I could not accept myself doing. You want to be proud of yourself. I would not. I could not. I I could not accept that from myself. Okay. So that's one of the non-negotiables. I I don't think. I I can't think of a time I've ever called a woman a name. Wow. That's great. Ever. I just. I might have turned and walked off. Right. But (laughs) that's just not something that you do. I just, right, right. 
I mean, it's part of being from the South. So yeah, you just don't do that. Yeah, of course. You just don't do that. And my sons, if, I've never heard my sons mm. speak of a woman That's in a beautiful. derogatory way. That's beautiful. Uh, yeah. Then they better not. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, whooping. Yeah. <laughs> I, just don't, I just don't think you do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, That's beautiful. I mean, I just hear of a lot of marriages that, are, you know, struggle and there's name-calling or frustrations, and it's just like that probably doesn't help develop more love. Well, you know, John Gottman mm-hmm. uh, is, I don't know if you've the heard Gottman of Gottman Institute? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, he talks about the four horsemen, and, mm-hmm. you know, those are the things that predict uh, divorce in a relationship. And, you know, that sort of thing, name-calling, is, is one of those things. You know, it's defensiveness and stonewalling and... You know, aggressively, all those things that you you get into that have to do with character assassination is one wow. of those things that if you see people doing that, you can predict the demise of that relationship in very high, very, very what are, high. What are the four team. things? Do you remember? Uh, well, he, there are different names for them, but right. he, uh, the stonewalling is, is one of them. Name, call, name calling, stonewalling. Um, defensiveness is one of them. And um, he calls them specifically uh, criticism, contempt, mm. defensiveness, and stonewalling. Criticism, contempt. contempt. Defensiveness, and stonewalling. And the name calling would come under, you know, contempt, where you're okay. just, you know, just showing. Okay. You're just like your father. Oh. You're just like you. Know, it, and stonewalling, what does that mean specifically? Well, it's when you just simply won't engage. You uh, won't. It's like the passive aggressive. Yeah, it's the exactly. silent treatment. Yeah. Uh, so if, if one or four, one of these four, or all four of these things are happening in a relationship, bad news. It's typically not going to work out. No, it, you can predict. Wow. Uh, and and you can see these in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. How does someone heal and, and get to a place of healing in a relationship if they one or all four of these things are happening? Is it possible to come back and love each other more than ever, or is that kind of hard to come back from? No, I think there's power in forgiveness. And mm-hmm. I, I think you, I, I think you have to step back and. And label these things and say, "Look, you know, here's what we're doing, and this this creates wounds. This creates pain that it's real hard to recover from, and we need to acknowledge that, and we need to hold ourselves to a higher standard. Mm-hmm. And if if you can get a couple to acknowledge that, and 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 stop doing it." And hold themselves to a higher standard of communication, then yeah, you can, you you can heal those, but you've got to be willing to forgive mm-hmm. what has happened in the past. And forgiveness isn't a feeling; it's a choice. Right. Most people think that it's an emotion; it's a feeling that you've got to wait for this this feeling of forgiveness to fill your heart. Mm. And that's not true. It's a choice. You choose. To forgive the person doesn't mean you forget, right? But you choose to forgive them for what they've done and forgive yourself for what you've done. But it does do any good to forgive it on Monday if you turn around and do it again on Tuesday. Right. 
<laughs> so that means you, you've got to forgive it and then hold yourself to a higher standard and mm-hmm. say, okay, instead of this contemptuous behavior that I show and calling names and assassinating their character, what am I going to do instead? How am I going to express my emotions in a less destructive way? Mm-hmm. And when you do that, then, wow, you say, this didn't last for two weeks. It lasted for 15 minutes. Right. And now we're having dinner. <laughs> wow. Right. Uh, and then we had a nice evening, and we were even laughing and maybe mm-hmm. had a sexual encounter that night, and that had momentum in the next day. And, right. gee, we're turning this worm, you know. It's turning around, better. yeah. Is there anything else that's, you know, you— you do on a daily basis that you always do, that's a consistent, you know, um, that for you is a non-negotiable in your marriage? You know, I, I think it's, we don't ever, even if we're traveling, we don't ever go a day without making eye contact. And hmm. to me, eye contact is something that wow has really, really fallen away. That's powerful. Especially and, the phone's just like this, right? It's yeah. Just... And I've, um, mm. yeah, I say I've, I've played football in grade school, junior high, high school, college, and then raced motocross for a long time. And and my elbows are, are really bad, and I can't button this button on my shirt. <laughs> I and try to do it with one hand, it takes forever. So forever, Robin always has to do this button on my shirt. shirt. <laughs> and so every day that I'm, I have to change suits twice a day and all that. So Robin always buttons this button and stuff like that. So at least twice a day, she's always right here doing that button. And every time she does, we make eye contact uh, right there when she's doing that button. And she will tell you uh, that that's a that's a special quiet moment really? every day when she buttons that button and makes eye contact. Nobody knows what's going on, but that's a private moment twice a day when she mm. does my button and puts that on. That uh, what happens if the, in those moments you're maybe distracted or preparing for the next uh, show that's coming out? Are you just like frantic? You're eating something, you know, it's just like your producers are in your ear. How do you stay focused and present in those moments? When she's doing that? Yeah, when you, she's... You, you can't be that close to her and look her in the eye and be distracted. She's <laughs> like, okay, yeah, <laughs> you're just no, there. Yeah, you, you'd, you'd have to know she's... Uh, she'll get your attention. Yeah, she'll run away. She'll do no, something. No, she's... Uh, <laughs> That's beautiful. Eye contact. I think people have lost the art of eye contact, like you said. It's something that I uh, love to talk about and love to, I almost love to be awkwardly looking people in the eyes to see, can they look at you back, you know, whether it be in an intimate relationship or a friend. I do this with hugs is all also. I hug people for a really long time to see like, okay, can they be intimate and connected or is it uncomfortable for them? Um, I've I've got a new show on... um, um, CBS, a, a new primetime series uh, called House Calls uh-huh. with Dr. Phil. And um, 
the first thing that I've done with a lot of these couples that are in such uh, dire straits is uh, just have them stand up and make eye contact. And you would be astounded huh. at the difference it makes when I make them stand there and make eye contact. What happens when they do that? Uh, just for a few seconds? Is they, it minutes? Is no, it... I make them stand there and make eye contact. And, um, and I have them, the first one I did, I had them make eye contact and really hold it way past the point of comfort and then say one of four things. I trust you, I don't trust you, I don't know if I trust you, or I'd rather not say. And, uh, and what usually happens? It's a real powerful moment. Wow. These are people married. Yeah. Yeah. And in the first episode, her son had died from a drug overdose, and she blamed her husband for cutting him off. Mm. And they really hadn't touched in two years. Oh, man. And in that moment, they hadn't really looked at each other, and she looked him in the eye and just totally broke down and collapsed in his arms and said, of course I trust you. What have I been thinking? Wow. Just in the first 30 seconds of that episode, just making eye contact, brought him back to what am I doing? Why do you think we're so afraid to connect in the eyes? It's intimacy. It's intimacy. That's Robin and my two boys. Oh, wow. Uh, very kind yeah. souls. Yeah. Good That's boys. beautiful. Yeah. I, uh, I could talk to you for, for many hours about this, and hopefully I can have you back on sometime in the future, Dr. Phil. But I want to ask a final few questions right. to wrap things up. And uh, again, thank you for your time and all of your years of wisdom. Uh, very relatable, and I think this this relationship section specifically is going to be powerful for a lot of people. Um, this is a question I ask everyone towards the end called the three truths. It's a hypothetical question. I'd like you to imagine that you get to live as long as you want to live on this earth, but eventually it's your last day. And you continue to accomplish all of your dreams and have the relationships you want to have. But for whatever reason, in this hypothetical scenario, all of your content has to go somewhere else. It's not here on earth anymore. So all of your shows, your videos, your books, your, you know, this podcast, it's gone for whatever reason. But you have three lessons you get to share with the world. I call it three truths. The three things you would kind of leave behind as, as lessons for people to live by. What would you say would be those three truths for you? I think number one would be This is no dress rehearsal. So recognize you get one, you get one bite at this apple. It's no dress rehearsal. So don't don't waste time because I I do think we, like I said, let days turn into weeks, mm-hmm. and weeks turn into months, and then we look back and say, you know, where did it all go? It's, this is not a dress rehearsal, so you know, grab on and mm-hmm. um, and and make the most of it. And I think I think secondly, 
I think people really struggle with that existential crisis of you know feeling emptiness mm-hmm. at different st- stages in their life and I would tell people when you feel that emptiness the best way to fill it is to give away that which you need the most oh yes if you're feeling lonely find someone that you can see and tell is more lonely than yourself and give them what you need we've been through this quarantine mm-hmm. there there are people you know maybe it's an elderly person living in your apartment building or down on the corner and you know they're alone you know they don't have family mm. and you're sitting there and you're feeling disconnected and alone and empty go give to that person knock on their door back up 6 12 feet and say hey i i, I know you're here by yourself and um I'm on the way to the store. Can I pick something up from you and leave it on the front porch? You probably don't want to give me your cell phone number, but here's mine. Mm. If you would like to FaceTime and talk, or if you're mowing your yard, just keep going across your driveway and mow theirs. Give away what you need the most. I promise you it will fill you up faster than anything you can do. Yeah. Give away what you need. It will it, it will heal you faster mm. than anything you could ever imagine yeah okay that's number two number three i would tell people to um really be your own best friend Mm -hmm. you know we judge people really harshly but we don't realize how harshly we judge ourselves and you know i i had the privilege of being friends with maya angelou before she passed and um, you know, she's known for being such a great poet and all, but she was also a really good, good woman and mm-hmm. had a great sense of humor and was a lot of fun. But she said something one time that really struck me. And uh, she said, you did what you knew how to do and when you knew better, you did better. Mm-hmm. And I think that really describes the, the human experience. I think we do the best we know how to do at the time. And when we know better, we do better. You know, I, I say that to heroin addicts. You know, they mm-hmm. say, I'm a piece of shit heroin addict. That's what they, you know, you're doing the best you can today. And yeah. when you know better, you'll do better. We, we got to cut ourselves some slack. And, mm-hmm. Um, and we need to be our own best friend and not judge ourselves so badly. When we we have more tools, we have more coping skills, we'll do better. Just don't don't give up. I'm the incurable optimist. I truly yeah. am. <laughs> and I, I think that I, I think this human race is going to be okay. I know right now we're not getting along mm-hmm. as a society and we're divided. And people say, oh, it's the worst division we've ever had. 
I guess they forget about the Civil War. Right. Everybody kill everybody. Uh, I just tell everybody, don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah. You're doing the best you can. If you right. want to do better, learn better. Right. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I want to acknowledge you, Dr. Phil, for the, uh, the decades of service you've had to so many people, from one-on-one to, you know, millions every day now, and even beyond that on the internet now to even tens of millions every day with your videos and your content that's being spread viral. Um, the fact that you continue to show up, you continue to learn and continue to serve for me is an, is an inspiring model of how to be a human being. So I really want to acknowledge you for, you know, helping really raise a lot of people when they were eight, 10, 12 that are now parents 20 years later that are helping raise their kids with your same content and evolving it. And I just really appreciate the example you set uh, for the level of service that you have on so many people. It, it means a lot. Well, I appreciate your saying that. I, I truly try to be a good steward of this platform. Mm -hmm. I, I, think it's a, I think it's a privilege to have this platform. And uh, I think when you're given that platform, it comes with a lot of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of have a shoot from the hip delivery style and mm -hmm. <laughs> you know I speak in colloquialisms and stuff sometimes and um, I, I think sometimes people might not realize um, how seriously I I take mm -hmm. the stewardship of that platform right. because I have kind of a relaxed way of dispensing the information I dispense but I take it very, very seriously. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have an advisory board at Dr. Phil mm. that's made up of the top minds in psychology, mm -hmm. psychiatry, medicine, sociology, theology. You know, they're from the top learning centers in the country. These are the people that are the editors of the peer review journals and stuff that I have a complex case, I can send it to them and we consult on it and so I can give only evidence-based mm -hmm. advice and stuff and I think people don't realize how much goes into uh, the information that I, yeah. I put out because I have a kind of relaxed way of of doing it. I think it betrays how much preparation goes into it sometimes. But uh, I think the greatest of all time make everything look effortless because they spend decades of preparation and hours before every game yeah. or every play really preparing so that it is relaxed feeling yeah. in a sense. Robin, to uh, Oprah told me one time, she said, the biggest problem you'll ever have is you make it look too easy. Right. <laughs> You're just like nonchalantly sharing this wisdom, yes. She said, you make it look, you make it look too easy and it betrays how hard you work at it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I didn't know what she meant at the time, but I think after 20 years, I, I realized maybe that's true. All right. Maybe I should sweat more when I was. <laughs> <laughs> You're in your 20th season now um, uh, of Dr. Phil. They can watch it on TV. You're also all over the internet now on YouTube and this massive TikTok sensation. If you guys haven't subscribed over on YouTube and TikTok and fill in the blanks, the podcast is incredible. You're an amazing interviewer and you have stories on so many incredible people that are your friends that you get to bring on. You know, the Oprah interview and Jay Leno and all these other people. 
incredible stories so they can subscribe there. I'm not sure if you're doing that right now consistently, if you're on a pause for that. But uh, the past I was, episode, and I've just started it back up, and I'm getting ready to... So good. I'm getting ready to start doing a series on um, different personality disorders. Oh, wow. How to handle, like, the narcissistic <laughs> personality and borderline personality and some of those... Uh, That'll be powerful. ...people that drive us crazy. Yeah. So, <laughs> That'll uh, be powerful. Yeah. So you've got that. You've got this uh, new show, House Calls, right? Right. Um, what else can we support, subscribe to, be a part of? Well, I hope everybody watches Bull. Uh, Bull is on uh, Thursday nights on CBS at 10. That's based on my life before Dr. Phil. Wow, okay. And we're in our sixth season. Uh, Michael Weatherly stars as Dr. Bull. Uh-huh. And uh, we've had great, uh, great fun with that. Okay. And, uh, we've got that animal rescue show on CBS All Access and The Doctors and Daily Mail TV and... We've got lots of shows out there. You're a machine. You've created that amazing model that's that's fun for me to watch and, and see as I'm, you know, building my career. So I'm going to keep watching and keep uh, admiring what you're creating. It's it's really cool to see how you've built and reinvented and, and given platforms to so many other people as well. So Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate of course, it. Of course. I have a, my final question before you run. What's your definition of greatness? To me, I, I think greatness has to do with... Um, being able to go home at the end of the day and feel like you have had a genuine impact impact on someone's life besides your own. Mm-hmm. I think if you can say, I did something today that impacted the human experience, then um, that's a great thing to have done. Yeah, Doesn't matter what effect it had on you, but if you've helped someone else uh, on their journey I think that's a great thing to do, no matter mm-hmm. what effect it had on you. If, if you lifted somebody else up, uh, I think God would smile on that. Yeah. There you go. Dr. Phil, thank you so okay. much. Appreciate, Appreciate it, sir. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. And also make sure to share this with a friend. Leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts as well. I really love hearing feedback from you guys, so share a review over on Apple and let me know what part of this episode resonated with you the most. And if no one's told you lately, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.